0: Well, last month, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk introduced legislation that will force Catholic priests to break the seal of confession to report known or suspected child sex abuse. Failure to do so will result in a three-year prison sentence. The law has been heavily criticised by Catholics, who say it sets a very dangerous precedent and could jeopardise religious freedom, not just for Catholics, but for Australians of all faith. And priests around the country have come forward saying that they would choose prison over violating that seal of confession. One of those priests is Reverend Kevin McGovern. Reverend McGovern is the administrator at St Cecilia's Camberwell South Parish in Victoria. He's a former director of the Caroline Chisholm Centre for Health Ethics in Melbourne, as well as an adjunct lecturer at both the Catholic Theological College and the Australian Catholic University. And he joins us now.
1: Inside Out with Nick Holt.
0: Father, thanks for being on the program. My first question is, how would you describe what confession is to someone who has never been before and isn't a Catholic?
1: Okay, so the sacrament of penance offers Catholics forgiveness and peace. Now, we've probably all had the experience of having done the wrong thing by someone and uh, going to them and uh, fessing up, um, admitting we've done wrong and uh, saying that we're sorry. And if we're fortunate, they might, uh, they might choose to forgive us. They might say, well, I, I forgive you for what you did. And uh, as we experience that forgiveness, we experience a great deal of peace. Now, in the sacrament of penance, Catholics experience exactly the same thing, excepting that they experience it not in their relationship with another human being, but in their relationship with God.
0: One of the misconceptions, and it's certainly one that I had, is that when someone goes to confession, they're in trouble with the church. What's the reality here?
1: People are going to confession because they want to set things right not necessarily with the church but but with god so a catholic has a sense that god is with them in their life a catholic has a sense of having a personal relationship with jesus just as just as anyone would in their relationships with other people if we think we've left a friend down we want to make things right with them and for catholics um, the sacrament of penance is an important way of doing that.
0: What are some of the other common misconceptions that people have about confession?
1: Well, I think one common misconception is that uh, everyone who comes to confession is confessing uh, murder or uh, burglary or sexual abuse of minors or, you know, really very serious sins. The reality is that... uh, when ordinary people come to confession, they're confessing that they've been impatient with their spouse, that they've been uncaring with their kids, that they've been selfish on occasions. And um, they're the sorts of things that most of the time Catholics would be dealing with in the sacrament of, of penance. And when you think of it, They're actually kind of important things because they're the things that happen every day and they're the things that can really damage relationships. So most of the time in confession, we're we're dealing with pretty ordinary everyday things.
0: What are the implications of this law that's just been passed in Queensland?
1: The church has always promised people who come to confession that the sins which they confess in confession will be kept secret. Now, there are other professional groups who have the same promise of secrecy. One of them is the legal profession. And uh, just as people may want to discuss their sins with a priest, um, someone may want to discuss their possible crimes with a lawyer and they need to be assured that the lawyer will not then go and reveal the secret information which they've said to them. Two other examples of the same thing are a reporter meeting with a whistleblower where the whistleblower needs to be confident that the reporter won't reveal to the public um, who gave them perhaps not generally known information. And in medicine and healthcare where someone wants to talk about uh, their physical or emotional problems. And once again, they, they want to be assured that the doctor or other health professional won't be sharing that privileged information with other people. So in all those cases, that secrecy is necessary so that people can feel comfortable and safe
0: in Seeking out the help of those professions. So, why is it different then for the Catholic Church?
1: The one difference is that uh, in in healthcare, there is a limit on confidentiality. So that uh, the limit is that if someone says something which indicates that they they've either put someone else at risk or they're about to put someone at risk, the normal expectation of confidentiality is reversed. And the doctor may even have an obligation to take steps to 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 try to prevent the harm which the person has told them about in the confession though because um because we believe that this could this could affect someone's eternal destiny. Catholics believe that ultimately um people end up either in heaven and hell, and uh because that's such a serious thing. We take the view that anything which is said in confession um, needs to be kept secret, even if it is the confession of sins that, that would harm other people.
0: What's the likelihood that someone's going to go and confess to sexually molesting a child?
1: I cannot say that it has never happened, but I can say that along with many other priests, I can say that I've been a priest for about 30 years, and in that time, it's not one of the sins which has been confessed to me. And many other priests would say that too. So it is unlikely, but if it does happen, um, it does give the priest some opportunity to to counsel someone, um, to to encourage them, but not to force them to go to the police to encourage them but not to force them to to talk with the priest outside the confessional because outside the confessional we would we would have to report sexual abuse that was disclosed to us but within
0: the confessional we we feel that we're not able to do that so this is not about priests protecting abusers from the law
1: it's basically saying that uh, while in normal pastoral ministry, we, we accept that we have reporting obligations if childhood sexual abuse is disclosed to us. But within the confessional, because we have this sense of the, the seal of the confessional, um, we would not be able to reveal that. Now, in that situation, the priest has an opportunity to counsel the person In many cases, um, someone who is confessing a serious sin uh, is inclined to go to a priest who doesn't know them. So um, if someone did come to confess sexual abuse, it may well be to a priest who doesn't know them. So even if we were to go to the the police and report what had happened, all we would perhaps be saying is... uh, is offering kind of a vague description of someone who came to us.
0: Okay, so if I went to confession today, for example, would I have any assurance that the priest would not see my face and therefore would not be able to identify me? There are two ways of going to confession. There
1: is face-to-face and there is behind a screen. So if they came behind a screen, I wouldn't even be able to describe the person who came to confession. I guess from the voice I'd be able to work out whether they were male or female, but I really wouldn't have much information apart from that to give the police, even if I was violating the seal, which I would not do.
0: You'd be prepared to go to prison over breaking that seal?
1: I would. Now, some people have said that sounds very brave, but it's the commitment I've made as a priest. But the other thing to say is that uh, I've never been in a situation of having to withhold something because it was said to me in confession. I would think that's reasonably unlikely to happen in my future, so it's not like I'm imminently looking at going to jail because I'm concealing things. Mm. But certainly if I was in a situation where there was a, a choice between revealing something which happened in confession and perhaps going to jail for not revealing it, I would choose to go to jail.
0: Do you think this law will lead to any convictions?
1: I don't know that this law will make much difference at all to the preventing of sexual abuse Um, as someone who works in the church as someone who works in a parish I know that the parish that I work in like just about every parish around Australia has a child safeguarding committee whose purpose is to make sure that we don't do anything in our church that would put children at risk and also to establish a a culture of child safety within our parish. To say, for example, we have a never-alone rule. You should never be involved in ministry to a child just by yourself. To say to people, if you see something which concerns you, say something. Or in a situation where there is an imminent risk to a child phoning the police on triple zero and reporting straight away the danger that a child is in. I think those steps are going to make a big difference on child safety. I'm not convinced that these laws which require us to report things which really aren't happening in the confessional are going to make much difference at all.
0: Why do you think the government passed this law?
1: I think from from a secular perspective where there's no understanding of confession and what it is, um, they're they're simply saying, well, we want to align this practice with all the other rules within our community. So I can see from a secular perspective, the idea that uh, the church claims an exception for confession um, does seem outrageous but I can also see from a Catholic perspective that this is something which, which we hold dear, and where we would say that infringing on this really, really infringes on religious freedom.
0: Just explain what you mean, Reverend, when you talk about religious freedom.
1: So religious freedom is the, the freedom of people of faith to... Uh, to do things which their faith requires them to do. Now, it's it's always been accepted that there are there are limits to religious freedom. That if someone said, "Well, my faith is calling me to go out and shoot people," um, we would say, "Well, because that's infringing on another. Um, that's beyond the limits of religious freedom." who want to take away the confessional seal would say that this is a case where um, your religious freedom is limited. On the other hand this has been a very serious commitment of the church that the the sins which are confessed in the confessional um, will always be kept secret and uh, we would see that as part of the religious freedom that we, that we want to claim and that we will, we will take even if it's not given to us. In order that Catholics can be confident that when they come to confession, the sensitive things that they reveal will not be communicated to anyone else.
0: There's a very real issue here for Australians of all faiths and religions, I think, in the sense that this government under Anastasia Palaszczuk is prepared to suspend the separation of church and state to legislate inside a faith-based institution on something that they clearly know very little about.
1: I, I think it's a very serious thing when a secular society that perhaps doesn't have great respect for religion and religious people tries to decide what is acceptable or not acceptable within religions. And I think you're right that if um, religious practice is regulated by people who don't have much appreciation of it,
0: all people of faith can feel concerned about what will this mean for them. When you hear things like Catholic priests are pedophiles and the Catholic Church is an institution of abuse... How does that make you feel as a human being
1: it uh, it makes me feel very sad because this is an institution that i love and uh, this is an institution which does a great deal of good in the world i i look at what we do in our parish as regards building community within our neighborhood i, I look at the work we do for caring for the women who are asylum seekers who live in our parish I look at all the things that we do to help people in in all sorts of needs I think it's sad that that's not given the recognition that it deserves on the other hand I I do accept the the sad truth that in the past the catholic church has failed in a serious way in preventing sexual abuse and because sexual abuse of children is such a terrible thing it will take a long time before many people are able to trust the church again and i accept that but as someone within the church all i can do is to continue to be trustworthy myself in the area of child safeguarding to make sure that we take that seriously in the parish where i work and to involved with this parish in continuing to do lots of good things for lots of people in the hope that eventually people will recognise the good things that we're trying to do.
0: What does the average day look like for you, Reverend?
1: Uh, There is no average day for (laughs) me, Nick. Um, Let let today serve as an example um, that... uh, Well, the first thing that happened this morning was that we've got some tradespeople here who are doing some maintenance work on the presbytery, the the house that I live in. So they arrived at eight o'clock and I had a bit of a conversation with them. And then I, I went to the church. I live in Victoria and in Victoria at the moment we're allowed to have an outdoor mass, not an indoor mass, an outdoor mass for a maximum of five people. So um, I brought out the chairs and all the other things we need for our outdoor mass and then celebrated that mass with, uh, with a number of parishioners. We've only just started to be able to do this again. So it was nice to catch up with some people whom I haven't seen for several months. After that, I I went to another family in the parish. Their elderly grandmother has just passed away and we're celebrating her funeral here on Friday. So I was meeting with them to just see how they're going and also to help them with planning their grandmother's funeral. After that, I came back here and uh, our... Bookkeeper secretary had set up various things for me to do with paying accounts and paying salaries and all those sorts of things, so I did some administration for a while. Then I had another couple of conversations with the with the tradesmen who are doing up the presbytery then i having a conversation with you, one of the nice things about priesthood is that you do do. Quite a variety of things. In the course of a day, you can be with people in either times of great sadness or great joy, but you can also be involved in all the other things of running a small community organisation.
0: Why become a priest?
1: If I'm completely honest, I'd say because I felt God was calling me to be a priest. Now, I can certainly add to that a sense that uh, I, I had a profession before I became a priest and uh, I, I guess seeing what priests did, I came to recognise that I could probably do more for people as a priest than than I could have. I, I used to be an optometrist, than I could have done as an optometrist. So there was that sense of, well, this would be a meaningful life for me, but At its deepest, it is this sense that God was calling me to be a priest.
0: Well, Reverend, thanks a lot for being on the program. It's been great talking to you.
1: Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And uh, it was great to have a yarn with you. Inside Out with Nick Holt on Reading Radio 4RPH.